Hang on. Hang on. Halt. Welcome to This Might Be A Podcast, the song-by-song podcast about the greatest band of all time. They might be giants. I'm your host, Greg Simpson, and I'm here with Laser Weber from The Double Clicks to talk about the song, Madam, I Challenge You to a Duel, off of Glean. Here we go. Thanks for being on the show. Absolutely, Greg. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah, I mean, you 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 hit me up. I don't know why I didn't ask you first. Like when you sent me that email, and I think the subject line was, "I like the Moopy Giants." I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh right, duh. I'm like, okay, what you know, y'all were on the the lead off track and the purple two pay comp. Like why? I mean. Why didn't I don't know? I don't know. So yeah, it's look it looks like the email is just I like the MIP Giants laser. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, it's let's true. make it happen. Yeah, it's it, it's true. There's gonna be a lot of overlap between uh the MIP Giants fans who are listening to the podcast uh and double clicks fans. But mm. you know, we can't assume that they all know um who you are. So I I, I think I also want to hear like the origin story because I've seen you know on your your the bio page on I believe the doubleclicks.com, right yeah yeah um, gotta get that URL um, was that a hard one to get that seems like like the double clicks like being such a computer type term. you know it wasn't um, hmm. the the trickiest thing was right when we were launching Google had just uh, purchased a product called DoubleClick. And so mm. on some places we can get double click. We can't get double click. We have to be get the double clicks. But I couldn't get like uh, the double clicks at Gmail because you can't have the phrase double click in a Gmail account. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Anyway, yeah, I, I first found out about you th- through searching for covers for the podcast. Oh, man. What song mm. was it? Found one of you. Two from long ago. Yeah, we did a nightgown. We did yeah. a robot parade. 
I did a few. Yeah. Like way back, like, oh man, what? On, on, 2011. Like early probably. YouTube. Yeah. Like, yeah. I guess it wasn't the birth of YouTube or anything, but it was when like not everything was on YouTube, you know, just mm-hmm. lot, yeah. just lots of things were on YouTube, not all the things. So I, I love when I find covers that um, give you a little bit of that internet history, you know, like when you find somewhere it's like, like, I don't know if you know Daryl Till, Astral B. He does a ton of covers, and he, he was this mysterious guy. I kept finding just his hands, just the video was just his hands on the piano, just pounding furiously and singing They Might Be Giants covers from, like, 2008. I was like, mm-hmm. who is this guy? And now I've, like, collaborated on covers with him. He's been on the show a bunch of times. Uh, awesome. And it, it's super cool. So finding you two, I'm like, oh, this is, this is really cool. Like, you don't hear, one, you don't hear cello a lot. In yeah. co- covers of pop anything or rock, you know, so that was unique. I was like, this is pretty awesome. And he came up a couple more times and then finally started like, you know, <laughs> I'm like, I guess I should probably, you know, see what the deal is. And then, you know, and now you've you've been on a, a comp that I put out and that's super awesome. But h- how yeah. did the group get started? How did you two get, get rolling? Yeah. So the Double Clicks is a band that is my sister and I. Um, we are a musical duo. Um, we started in... I mean, we've been playing music together our whole lives, but uh, we we started the band in about 2009. I was still in college, and I had just kind of picked up a guitar um, as a way to blow off steam, basically. And my sister, Aubrey, she went to Berkeley College of Music. She has a degree Dang. Um, in music production. So she was out in Portland, where I lived, um, playing open mics. You know, everybody wants a cello on their song, so she got very popular. Um and uh, and then she started bringing me out, and I was writing like weird little funny songs and <laughs> and that kind of thing. And we started going to this open mic every week, and we did that for a while. Um, and we started getting booked on gigs, and uh, and then we were like, well, we gotta make more music. So we started a basically a dial a song project, but on YouTube. We did a weekly song, uh, called Weekly Song Wednesday for six months where we just wrote a song, made a video for it, released it. Um, some of them, some some weeks we would do covers, so that's where a lot of the They Might Be Giants covers came from. Yeah, um, okay. And then uh, we got picked up by um, Paul and Storm, who, you know, used to play mm. with Jonathan Colton and, and all that. And so our mm-hmm. first, like, major gig, we were playing with Mike Furman, Hank Green, Paul and Storm at this Nerds and Music tour that they were doing. Um, I've been then, trying to get Hank Green on the show, and then I know he's he's got a bit going on right now. He has a lot going on. Yeah, he loves They Might Be Giants. He's a big fan. Yeah. And um, yeah, I've I've discovered him through finding his his he has a few covers online, and yeah, like you don't know Hank Green. I'm like I'm I'm sorry, I'm not as extremely online. I guess I'm more and more online as I get <laughs> into yeah. the depths of of this. Uh, almost five years in. Yeah, so, yeah. Continue. <laughs> Oh yeah, so so um, well, I mean that's that's where the double clicks came from. Um, so so yeah. the Giants stole your idea when they decided to move the Dial a Song over because uh, they were doing Wednesdays, right? Both twenty fifteen and twenty th- I, I think Wednesdays was their day, so they moved yeah. their Dial a Song to YouTube on Wednesdays. Sure, I don't I know. Mean, did you patent a lot of that people, idea? <laughs> a lot of people do weekly songs. I mean, it's a really good way to make sure you're creating stuff. Basically, we did it because. Yeah. We kept getting booked at gigs where we didn't have a long enough set. They were like, you have two hours, fill it up. And we we're like, we have 30 minutes of music because we're writing really short songs. It's like, I guess we got to, if we're going to take this seriously, we got to just crank stuff out. Not all of it's good, but 
all yeah. it's done. Yeah, I feel your pain. Yeah, me and me, yeah. me and my wife when we were when we were just a duo, our first like we did a big tour like from Bloomington, Indiana to Yellowstone and back like the South Wind and the North Way, and we only had I think seven or eight songs at the time, and I yeah. don't think any of them were over three and a half minutes. So, I mean, but we were mainly playing with punk and indie bands and stuff like that. So it was Mm -hmm. acceptable to, you know, it wasn't like just you. It was like we're the opening act for some local band. And it went fine. But, like, we showed up at a venue where they're like, you can't play covers. And we're like, uh, are they going to know the weaker thans? I'm like, I don't think they're going to know. I don't think they're going to know the weaker thans. Plus, we changed it to 6-8. They're not going to. When we just played it, and it was fine. Yeah. Uh, we're like, we, we can't cut one song. We only have seven songs. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, like like putting, giving yourself deadlines. Like, we, we got to do this. And like, even if it's like no one's holding you to it, you're just holding yourselves to it. So, yeah. It was a really good way to build an online audience as well. Um, because we were just doing something consistently and that was, you know, back in the thing and YouTube back then, like weekly updates was a really good way to build an audience. So that became our thing. And we, um, you know, started in 20, 2009, like I said, and then in 2014, no, 20, anyway, at some point we ran a Kickstarter, um, to hire Mike Furman to make a record for us. And that made eighty thousand dollars, so we were able 2014, to. Twenty fourteen, according to your bio. All right, this eighty thousand right. dollars. That is yeah. bonkers. I believe I made two thousand once, and I was over the moon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great, and that that made the band our full time job, and it was the full our full time job for you know more than ten years. You know, just doing it, touring, played a lot of conventions. We did the Joko Cruise. We did a lot of our own shows yeah. at game stores and. Um, toward the UK and Australia and a little bit of Canada. And it was, it's, it, it's really fun. The double clicks, um, you know, we, if you're not familiar, we do a lot of like, we, it's a lot of believe in yourself music. It's cats and dinosaurs, but also a lot of very sincere, um, queer and identity kind of stuff. And, um, yeah, it was duo and a little bit of Rocky or stuff on the, on the albums. Um, and, Aubrey stepped back from performing um, after the pandemic. So I'm doing my own stuff now, which has been a lot oh. of writing musicals. Um, I put out an album called Overreacting under my artist name, Laser the Boy, which is very queer. Um, and I'm currently <laughs> writing or currently performing. Actually, I have a show tonight. Um, a one-man show called A Shark Ate My Penis, which is a musical <laughs> comedy about trans men throughout history. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible so is there any chance that the double clicks will um will get back to it someday or is the plan to just be like a studio band uh you know we have a few gigs coming up that are like people hiring us to play at a college and stuff like that so we'll do that aubrey has another job now and she you know she's got a house and a husband and a dog so um It'll depend on how much she feels like performing. It just kind of got to a point where she clearly didn't want to do it, which meant that I wasn't playing out as much as I wanted to. So it was like, okay, yeah. I got to start my own thing. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, for if we can if we can convince Aubrey to get out, um, she'll she'll do it. And you know, we've we've been on hiatus before and come back, so we'll just yeah. see, basically. Yeah, life, you know, stuff happens, and you. Well, because, like, in the beginning, you know, you're holding yourself to this every Wednesday kind of thing. But as you get more established, you know, and any kind of artist, it's like, 
it's it's cool to put yourself under some pressure, but if mm-hmm. things happen in life and you just gotta like shelve it for a minute, like that's fine. Yeah, yeah. That, that and we're prioritizing like our relationship as a family <laughs> um, yeah. in- instead of being like, well, we've got to make music because it is tough. Like my entire adulthood. I was completely dependent on my sister for income, you know, like we had, we had each other or nothing. Mm, mm, um, so it was like, if we want to make money, if we want to live, if we want to ha- be the person we say we're being, we have to do it together, which is a little bit stressful on the old relationship. So I'm, I'm very thankful we did it. I couldn't have done it with anybody else. And um, right now I'm real happy to have, you know, the best sister in the world. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the the solo stuff is good. So how does it feel to get out there going solo? Because I've played like two solo shows in my life. I was a drummer. I liked hiding behind everybody and just mm-hmm. flailing away. And then I got thrust into like the frontman role. Me and my wife. So we were we were a duo. But I played a couple solo shows. I'm like, this feels weird. I don't know how's it. It's been for really you? weird. It's yeah. it's um, you know, I think. I've been performing my whole life, but I've always had something to hide behind, whether it's a guitar or whether it's being in a band or, um, and like this show that I'm doing right now, uh, which I'm doing at the Hollywood Fringe and I'm going to take to Edinburgh Fringe. It's just me, you know, it's just me and an audience. And sometimes there's not even a guitar between us. Mm. Um, and it's, uh, it's really scary, but, um, I find that doing it is so rewarding. Like, like, I was so, I've never gone from being so terrified to so happy. You know, that swing was so intense as, as (laughs) we did the first time we did, I I did the show. Cause it's just like, if I have to cough, if I, I mean, everybody's going to see every single thing that I do. Um, And then I did it and people liked it. And I was like, Oh, thank God. (laughs) Like I've really, really (laughs) impressed myself. I'm like, I believe I can do anything now. Cause if I can hold the attention of a room, and people come up afterwards and they mm-hmm. say they wanted more. And it's like, well, thank, I mean, it's very, very validating. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. And now, now you're back in that point. Like, we want more. You're like, I've only written this much. You're back in that yeah, point exactly. again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got to write more. Uh, awesome. So do you like make backing tracks for yourself or, or how's it, how, how do you do it? This show is a combination of um, I play guitar. I play an old double click song that I wrote. 10 years ago, that is, I like to call the most trans thing ever written by somebody who didn't know they were trans. Um, It's a song about how somebody is like breaking up with somebody because they have a dark secret and the secret is they're a vampire. But like, if you take out the word vampire, it's just a song about being trans, which is so delightful to me. Um, And then I have, I have a collaborator, Aaron Wilson, who wrote, um, who's written both of my musicals with me. Uh, Teaching a Robot to Love was a sci-fi musical about the trans experience we put up in LA last year. It won Broadway World's Best Musical of the Year. And it's going up in New York um, later this year. We're doing a concert. It's going to be at Gen Con. It's all over the place, which is very exciting. Um, But Aaron wrote that with me, and he also did the backing tracks for this show. So we got a few different genres of, of music in this one that I'm doing little dances to. It's a very new experience for me, but it's very fun. That's great that you got like you got some backup though. You got you got someone you know in your corner helping you, and you know it's totally alone. Very cool. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Best of luck with with all that. Sounds like you're off to a great start. You've conquered that that initial 
fear. Yeah, it's know. really. I, I always wanted to do theater. I never my the theater program in my schools were so was really competitive, and mm. so I never got into it. And so now I'm just doing it on my own, and it feels great. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah, nobody yeah. can tell you no. <laughs> I know it's like you could say like yeah, I'm I'm a professional you know yeah. theater actor, and all those. All those losers back in high school <laughs> who made the show. Are they yeah. making money on stage now? Probably not. <laughs> it's it's a lesson them. that I've taken with me my whole life of like, if you want to do something, if you want to be invited to a party, throw the party yourself. And so that's, you know, starting my own shows, starting my own, you know, I was like, I want to be on an actual play podcast. So I started my own like all trans actual play podcast where we play games. and Oh, what's um, it called? It's called Strumpets and Flagons. <laughs> It's very good. We play the game Thirsty Sword Lesbians, which is an incredible, incredible RPG. How are you so good at naming everything? I, I just, I, I just need is, you to name the next thing. I don't I know. I need comes incredible. I, I will say it's one of my biggest skills. And like, I think the name of A Shark Ate My Penis sells the show more than me talking about it. And I'm, listen, I'm fine with it. It's, it's a skill. You, you got to have that pop there. Get people in the yeah. door. Get butts in the seats, right? Oh boy! Okay, <laughs> it it really it is incredible. Uh, you, you coming out to the Midwest at all with that thing? <laughs> Come on! <laughs> I am gonna be in. I'm touring this summer or Chicago. in July. Mm-hmm. We're going. We're gonna be in Ohio. We're gonna be in Indiana. We're in Indiana, and Chicago. We'll be at Indianapolis at Gen Con. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm only an hour north. That's of- where we're doing the we're doing the Midwest premiere of Teaching a Robot to Love to, there too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I got some friends that play a lot of the the, the different cons of sorts. A band mm-hmm. called The Shakeups. I don't know if you ever would have encountered them. Oh, I love them. The Shakeups. Yeah, they're always a Gen Con. All right, their drummer is also the drummer in Me, My Wife's Band now. Oh, cool. Uh, so he doesn't always make the trips with them. Sometimes they, you know, they have his drums on a backing track or whatever. He's also busy and just had a baby and is a yeah. huge toy collector and seller and stuff like that. You know, get all their stuff. But um, that is. Awesome. Um, I will have to tell Steve and Patrick about that. Yeah, they've got a new album coming out. I don't know. I just got some Facebook event about them doing a yeah. uh, a cure They're tribute always show. Doing stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Those yeah. Um, Patrick and his wife are amazing. We we played um, right after them at this. Uh, there's a street festival. Um, well, it's this little thing called Mosey Down Main Street uh, that happens once a month from uh, May to September. And last year, Outdoor Valor played right after the shakeups, and we were doing a cover of Maine by John Linnell. And uh, and I knew that Patrick was like a TMBG fan, and shakeups have done like TMBG tribute shows and stuff on Halloween and stuff. They do it a lot. And uh, I'm like, okay, we're going to debut a cover here. Uh, where's Patrick? He's the only one that'll know this. Hey, where... <laughs> Like, oh, he went to go get some food. I'm like, oh, okay, none of you will know this song. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. All right, we need to know your fandom story. How did you get into TMBG? Yes, so I am They Might Be Giants fans since since about middle school. I first heard of them when I, I joined marching band in eighth grade. Woo! The, young, the youngest time you could join, and I... Um, and marching band was made up of a lot of Boy Scouts, and that particular Boy Scout troop was obsessed with the album Flood. Um, and so they all knew all the words to Flood, and they would just sing it on hikes and stuff like that. 
And as was typical of of me, I was like, okay, you're interested in this thing. Well, I want to, you guys seem cool. And I got way more into it than any of them. Like, (laughs) I was like, they might be giants are playing. Why are you not going? Like, like, I don't understand. I like would go to concerts, you know, every year or twice a year. Um, I got into all the solo projects. I got, you know, I went and saw People Are Wrong off Broadway that... Flanzi's wife wrote oh, and that he was wow. in a band. You actually saw it. Jeez, I didn't even yeah. get my hands on recordings of that till like last year. It's it was I was I was like 16 and it was like yeah. what what I wanted for my birthday was to go to New York cuz I was I grew up outside of Boston and it was like oh, cool. please take me and I went and saw, you know, Gigantic in the theater when it opened, the the you East Coasters it was just like everything. Yeah. yeah. Of course I know Gigantic. I you know, I would be fired from this podcast if I didn't know. They need to make another documentary. It Some was stuff 20... is for the listener. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, yeah. But they need to make another documentary. Like the Sparks documentary came out. And I'm like, TMG needs one like on this level, this promoted. It's so good. I like, love they have everybody good, from like... Spinal Tap is in it. Like yeah. it's a very impressive documentary. I know. I send out so many emails trying to get people like Harry Shearer and stuff on the show. Yeah. And like I've nabbed some really cool guests, uh, especially recently like Jake Fogelness and Julie uh, Jill Klausner, uh, has been talking to them has been awesome. And I've talked to so many people affiliated with the band, all their horn players, you know, the past musicians and music video directors. Um, mm. but I love having like famous people that are outside of even music, you know, yeah. like, like the comedian DC Pearson was on, um, on the show uh, for we're the replacements. And he liked like maybe a handful of them might be giant songs, but he really liked the replacements. So like, he really liked yeah. that song and having him on and just like, uh, it's really it, it fun just, going yeah getting yeah. to know like but uh, like if i could get like do to do voices for the simpsons like getting them on the yeah. show i'd be like we'll be like we'll talk about simpsons and i'm like wait we're supposed to be talking about they might be giants <laughs> <laughs> going to a they might be giants show in la which is where i live now is great because it's just the entire alt comedy scene is there like it's just <sighs> literally everybody from, <laughs> from like you know george <laughs> Jordan Morris was there. Uh, what's his name? Who plays Lex Luthor was there for some reason. Um, John Cryer. Um, it was it was like, you know, the oh, villain man. from Ghostbuster. It was just like every person. And because we were all the same guy, right? We're just like this indie guy who's into comedy and loves They Might Be Giants. Um, well, yeah, we're very all very fun. predictable. Yeah. Really. Um, yeah, that's, that's the thing. Like uh, finding people for the show when the show first started – it really wasn't uh, as hard as I thought it would be um, going through. Like, Twitter's where it really took hold. And just, like, going through uh, people that were liking their tweets and, like, actually engaging with the band. And I go to their bios and be like, these all seem like really cool people. I could be friends with that person that yeah. person. They also like this and this. And, uh, yeah, it's really cool going to shows. And um, quite a few guests, like, are in Indiana. But uh, there were even some that I hadn't met. I met a bunch at the Indianapolis show, you know, a month ago or six weeks ago whenever that was it's been uh, amazing uh so just, i'm getting the timeline right so they uh, so your your band friends band boy scouts they were into flood but this was what what year about are we talking uh, not... this was around spine so this was like okay. 2004 um spine was the first release i believe um there may have been an ep um but i you know my the first album i owned was make car beautiful uh somebody gave me no that's not true i got i owned apollo what is it apollo 13 apollo 18 um yeah apollo 18 and then i got mink car yeah then i got all of them and you know the cds and the the whole of course. 
of course. whole situation. I'm, going on their I'm, website, I'm saving going on 42. like 42. I'm a CD kid. Like it was, it was all yeah. CDs. Still got them. Like right click and save pictures of them and put it on my yes. desktop. I had a. Um, do you remember? Uh, I don't know if it's called Raster. The website was called The Rasturbator, and it was this <laughs> website where you could put in a picture. It would turn it into dots. And you could tape it together to make a giant poster what? of something. This was very big in like 2005. Um, wow. And, I and was so like I, in the second year of my teaching career. I don't think I was doing all <laughs> that kind of stuff then. Yeah. I, <laughs> I had a big poster of them that I printed out. Like I, I've amazing. memorized all of their publicity photos and everything. It yeah. Was, you uh, know, I kept thinking about like, oh, when I'm not busy, mm-hmm. I'm going to do like a tournament of TMBG promo photos or something like that. And oh. like pit promo photos against each other. Mm-hmm. And to see which promo photo is the best one. I mean, personally, yeah. I like the ones that actually have Dan, Dan, and Marty in them, which is like sure. two of them. Yeah, not a lot of those. I don't know. I know, you know, I've had Danny on the show a bunch of times and Marty on ones. And the thing Danny always says is like kind of heartbreaking to me is he's like, well, it's their band. I'm like, dude, you've been in the band for 25 years. Yeah. 1997 he joined i'm like what i'm like i'm like i think the johns would like if you were like hey maybe what are you, what are you guessing about this that they're they're not gonna be like fuck you dude like yeah get, get in your place like what i'm like because <laughs> yeah. yeah uh it's i don't know it's just funny like off air like i i i'm in touch with you know tmbg management and stuff like that and the only things that marty and danny are allowed to talk about on the show are songs that they wrote uh or red pants band or other stuff like that because only john's do the promotional stuff but like Mm -hmm. the first time i had marty on we were talking about like him coming in on drums to do the spine and i'm like you got the fill your first album for the band you got fill leading in the first track and we're talking about all this drum dork stuff and like oh what kit where are you playing and then like i think danny and marty talked they're like so you're yeah you're doing the show too have we run that by you know pete oh yeah and and like marty got all nervous about it like he's very you know introverted kind of guy and he um he was so awesome having on the show, but then like uh, he kind of got scared about that, and like they let us they let us put the show on, but like we got up like through his beginning drummer career and really just spine ABCs and uh, the else, and they were like we're gonna do part two, and then he's like I guess we're not really supposed to talk about they might be giants. I'm like <laughs> we can't talk about the drums and they might be giants. Like I want to yeah. really get to the nitty gritty. Like what's your favorite rudiment <laughs> you know like what you yeah. know you, you like a paradiddle or double paradiddle you, like paradiddle really guy. come on yeah are you a paradiddle guy or like a flame cue um what did you play marching band i didn't ask you that i played drums nice so you know your you know your yeah paradiddles. i played i started on cymbal worked my way up to snare then became the drum major fuck yeah yeah nicely done okay so uh getting into um Oh, I did want to play a little bit. If I hadn't already, I'm going to drop in a clip of uh, y'all's cover of Birdhouse that kicked off Purple to Pay Comp. I'm going to play that right here. I'm your only friend. I'm not your only friend. But I am a little glowing friend. But really, I'm not actually your friend. But I am. by the light switch who watches over you make a little birdhouse in your soul not to put too fine a point on it say i'm the only bee in your bonnet make a little birdhouse in your soul i have a secret to tell from my electrical well 
It's a simple message and I'm leaving out the whistles and bells So the room must listen to me, filibuster vigilantly My name is Blue Canary, one note spelled L-I-T-E My story's infinite, like the Longines Sinfinite It doesn't rest, Blue Canary in the outlet by the light switch Who watches over you? To put too fine a point on it Say I'm the only bee in your bonnet Make a little birdhouse in your soul me of my primitive ancestry which stood on a rocky shores and kept the beaches shipwreck free though i respect that a lot i'd be fired if that were my job after killing jason off and countless screaming argonauts bluebird of friendliness like guardian angels it's always near blue canary in the outlet by the light switch who watches over you To find a point on it Say I'm the only bee in your bonnet Make a little birdhouse in your soul Canary and while you're at it Keep the night light on inside the birdhouse in your soul Not to put too fine a point on it Say I'm the only bee in your bonnet Make a little birdhouse in your Now, let's get into the song we're here to talk about. Yes, Madam, I challenge you to a duel. There's no demo for this one, and you typically aren't getting them in this era anyway. So when I opened up the wiki for this one, I was like, holy cow. Uh, and was, There's actually a story. They actually talk about what the song's about. I know. They're not just like, like Linnell's like, it's about nothing. Like, stop thinking about it. Or like Flance, who's like, it's about this. And then five years later, it's about this. Like, mm-hmm. like what? I don't know what's going on. Like, Flans will do like the Bob Dylan thing where we're like, and then this, and then this. And you're like, I don't, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. And Linnell just won't tell you anything. Or he'll just be like, I don't know. Someone just said a word. And I'm like, I'll write a song. I love John Linnell title. so much. He's so, I know. have you read, I'm sure you have, the interview where he just talks about, it's like a week of food with John Linnell. And he just yes. goes and has the same mm-hmm. bodega sandwich like four times. It's Is like, that also the one where like his wife goes out of town and he doesn't know what to eat? Yeah. There's it's just like, this one. is. It's like it's every just, cereal. <laughs> John Linnell, I, you are, no one has ever been more themselves than John Linnell. He's just like, this is who I am. Is that a problem? Yeah, he doesn't give a fuck what anyone else. He's just like, he does his thing. But there's that one photo of him just like eating cereal. Like he's got his glasses on, just like I was kind of just eating cereal. Like, man, I can relate to that. Just like, I'm just going to write songs and then like eat some cereal. I'll let Flanzy do the talking. yeah, you know, I, I love how Roman songs, how his son played guitar on that. That was just like Aww. his son that you see like in the stroller and gigantic is grown up and playing guitar on his dad's EP. Really cute. If you haven't heard, we did a cover. We did an entire uh, cover of that EP. Oh, nice. Me and, and a crew from uh, uh, the show. It's called Roman Covers. <laughs> um, 
It's on Bandcamp and stuff. So uh, I went to the trivia and all this, and I'm like, holy guacamole, we've got this whole thing about a like a Johnny Carson. Okay, I'm like, what is going on here? There's like all these names yeah. of all these actors that I kind of know because they're before my time. And um, I'm like, I know these names. I think I may have seen a movie with Shelley Winters, maybe Oliver Reed. Um, but there's an interview with Grantland where Flansburg says the entire conceit of this song is that it's about an extremely formal person, like the kind of person that would challenge someone to a duel, only that the twist is that they are challenging a lady to a duel, which breaks every code of behavior in the world of dueling. This is not based on a personal experience of mine. I say, I say, I say, I challenge you to a duel. Um, <laughs> and then it, yeah, and then it goes on from there yeah then he has this uh concert where he's telling everybody if you want to look up this video that's what this song is about uh yeah and he doesn't even know the name of the person which is kind of delightful Uh, yeah like i said like he's just kind of rambling he's like i like like linnell is like helping him out like uh help me out john what what am i singing about (laughs) it's pretty great Here's another song off our brand new album. This song is, uh, this is a uh, 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 written, this is an uh, 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 unreliable narrator song. It's not really coming from the perspective of the band. It's coming from a more hostile perspective. Hold on one second. Uh. And, um... Uh, I would like to invite you, uh, when, when you have a chance, perhaps it worked, to go onto YouTube and look at the, uh, uh, it's, a, it's a, what is it, the Dick Cavett Show with the, the guy from, uh, that from Tommy, right? You saying Tommy? I, I, I don't know what you're referring to. Oh. <laughs> Oliver Reed. Oliver Reed, Reed yes. Look up the uh, Dick Cavett episode of, or no, excuse me, the Tonight Show episode with Oliver Reed in it. And uh, you will see the, the protagonist in this next song, live, on stage, featuring Scotch, (laughs) perhaps Johnny Walker Blue. This song is called Madam, I Challenge You to a Duel. Flansburg implied is how the trivia, how the wiki puts it, mm-hmm. um, that uh, 
the protagonist is Oliver Reed, a British actor. You know, he's got that kind of classic BBC British uh, accent. And um, and this thing that happened between him and Shelley Winters, an American actress, uh, on The Tonight Show in 1975. And uh, I, I linked you to that. Did I mean... Yeah, it's hard to watch. It's... Did you watch the whole thing? I watched most of it. I, I saw... I, 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 there was a point where I was like, all right. But yeah, so he's basically... He's the second guest. She's still there. She's chatting, like a normal chat show where everybody talks. He's like, I wish this woman wasn't talking. They're kind of doing bits. And then she leaves the stage yeah. because she clearly doesn't want to be there anymore. And he starts going on about how women belong in the kitchen and the feminist <laughs> liberation movement is fighting itself by not being likable. She comes back on and dumps a cup of water on his head. And Does it he is, say it's whiskey? He says it's whiskey. It yeah. doesn't look like whiskey. <laughs> and uh, this is the first time we've had him on the show. Or at least we've had a chance to meet. Would you welcome, please, Oliver Reed. It's nice to have you with us. Thank you for having me. How are you? Quite extraordinary. Yes, that's what... Give me your hand. We do know each other. One written Sal Misfortune's book. <laughs> this can't be happening on television. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought it was my turn. It is. Anyway. Yes, anyway. What brings, <clears throat> what brings you here? Um, I'm Bray, here making... Uh, I have just finished a film called Burnt Offerings with um, Betty Davis. Who you remember? Yes, I remember. And Karen Black. <laughs> Who maybe is a little younger than you. And yeah, but she's not as... Never mind. <laughs> but Betty Davis is, is probably... Oh, yes. No, 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 wait a minute. This is American. We're very Puritan. We have a Puritan tradition here. Yes. Can I leave now for the theater? <laughs> I have to be on the stage in a little while. You don't really have to leave, do you, Sean? No. And you have met before. And you do you know there's no way... There's no, no, absolutely... Well, well, Please be quiet for a minute. Yes, sir. Good. I, I am not really used to this. Will you please be quiet for a minute while I talk to this gentleman? Good. I'm on the show yes, sir. to talk. Okay. Not just to hear you, madam. Yes, sir. Right. Right, right, Oliver. This is like a bit. Right? And she was saying it was a bad audience? <laughs> Women's liberation, madam, will never survive. Not while I'm in the kitchen. <laughs> this could turn out to be a hell of a fight tonight. Oh, you won't slip down because, madam, I noticed while you were on the show, you are not, you're actually far more controlled than you make out. A lot of non sequiturs tonight. Things just kind of trail off and... She's all right. She can't shout at us now. Yeah, she knows. She's so much for women's lip. Who's the lady that shouted? Do they have a... Women's lib movement, uh, big in England also? Always, oh, always. But uh, uh, the women in England are quite good. They're always in the kitchen, so you can't hear them when they shout. <laughs> you think that's where they should be? Huh? I, think, I think that most women, I think that most women are very happy. I, I really think that most women are happy in the kitchen. Not because uh, they like... Sh oh, men make the best chefs. <laughs> when do you ever go to a hotel and find a... Sh the chef is a woman, madam. I think Shakespeare they, wasn't a bird, madam. And neither is Johnny Cross. I think if they paid women in the kitchen as much as they pay chefs in a hotel, I think women would I love think to be in the I kitchen. Think, uh, yeah. 
I think, I think that basically women, women are very happy in the kitchen simply because it means that they're feeding their children and looking after their man. I think that um, the, the time arises, I think the time arises when a woman is put out to work. And I think then when she comes back and says, oh, I've had a heavy day and the husband arrives at the same time. Um, that's a bad deal because yes. then they're going to fight who's going to cook and who's going to wash up. Yeah. I think that a woman's place is looking after her man and her children. And I think a man's place, I think a man's place is to look after her, to protect her and provide her with a little warmth. I really do believe you have the, the old-fashioned concept, right? Yeah, but it's fairly sweet. I mean, the women's liberationists, if they thought about that, shh, quiet woman, women's liberationists. Now that's what is known as savoir-faire, when you can continue. I think that women's liberationists sometimes do extraordinary things. I don't think... I don't think that, in, in actual fact, that it, 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 it gives them much armament to their cause. I mean, the fact that I have been smothered in whiskey, and it is whiskey, and it is whiskey, I can taste it. Has, pays no cause to the lady. There are going to be a lot of people on this program that will laugh at that, and there will be several who will probably be quite indignant. I'm not indignant, because this is indicative of the bad manners of a lot of chauvinist ladies. I like this show myself. You know, Johnny Carson doing absolutely nothing to help, which is pretty great. Um, oh, yeah, he's letting and, it play out. And then he, yeah, he goes on later in to like in that other interview that you talked about to be like, yeah, this woman was taking up my time. <laughs> and so I, and it was just like, nobody. But I, I definitely, you know, that's not what I got out of the song when I first listened to it. But now, you know, listening to this very posh, very formal guy just being an absolute dick to women is pretty delightful. It's it, it's a pretty yeah. good thing to write a song about. <laughs> Definitely. And so my dad was out uh, here for a couple days. He was down from Chicago. And um, so I was like, I'm like, Dad, you, you used to watch Carson religiously, right? And he's like, yeah. And like when I uh, was allowed to stay up that late now and then, you know, I was, Carson was already starting to kind of retire. Like Leno started coming in to sub for him before mm-hmm. Leno took over the Tonight Show. Um, Leno actually used to be... F- kind of funny and likable sure, sure. um we all are before we get old you know yeah <laughs> um i'm not gonna attempt an impression any more than that little noise i just made uh and so i was asking my dad just about uh talk shows in general so the tonight show is an hour and a half because i was first i was surprised about how long the i know it's like 20 the minutes. segment was yeah. yeah it's like 17 minutes and there's a commercial break in the middle and he's the second guest mm-hmm. and um, cause I was asking my dad, like, it's, it's kind of rare on a talk show these days. Like if you watch Colbert or something, um, that the first guest like sticks around, yeah. you know, when they do, I kind of like it. And I always liked it with Conan, how like Andy would be there. Like you'd always have Andy Richter sitting there. Yeah. Uh, and then on occasion, you know, the first person would stick around, you'd have Andy, that person, Corden whatever guest it, was currently I think always. On. Corden okay. always have multiple Required guests. And, and, okay. And there, um, there are yeah. some, there are some people who do it and I, yeah, it is fun, but it is weird. 
Yeah, and you yeah. don't see it as much anymore, but my dad was like, yeah, that used to be pretty much the standard thing. Um, but it seems like as like I started watching Conan and stuff, it was kind of like, oh, the person was there to like maybe chime in a little bit, but not... Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the one person's there to be interviewed to plug whatever they're plugging, yeah. and the other person might chime in, or they might kind of talk to each other a little bit. So she was inserting herself into the conversation quite a bit, but I thought hilariously so. Well, she was and asked he to, seemed to think... To be fair. Yeah. She, she was being... He was oh, talking sure. to her, and then she mm-hmm. would say something because he was talking to her, and also he was not really saying much. And then he would shush her, like... Yeah. They would be, like, talking, then he would shush her, like... Yeah, it's like, do you want, she's like, do you want me to talk or not? Yeah. So they're just kind of like revving each other up. And it's just like, oh my God, like a couple things happen um, before the water dumping, but just like, because yeah. it, it's like a 15 minute build up to that. It's kind of crazy. And it's, yeah, he says the dumbest shit, but I was like, it's yeah. like, dad, is this like, you know, was this a normal thing that like they would really all be talking and talking and talking? Because usually people are pretty cordial to each other. There's a yeah. camera pointing at you. Like you're not gonna, yeah. Like if you think dumb shit like he does, I mean it's it was 75, not 55. It was yeah. not 1955. Well, that's the thing. I mean, when she comes on and fights him, it's it's on behalf of the audience, really. Yeah, like, there like, is. It's, a it's huge more uproar. just like this guy is being such an asshole. I can't let this go out on television yeah. without somebody saying like. Hey, you're wrong. Like, what the fuck yeah. is wrong with you? I got to put my foot down, and by foot, yeah. I mean I'm going to pour this on your head. And, and he just cheer like, her when she does it, which is great. Yeah, there's a huge, like, long, long cheer, and mm-hmm. uh, he just doesn't know how to react. He says nothing, and he 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 actually mentions that in this follow up interview. Yeah, yeah. What well, uh, what what show was this on? So I think this was on an actual BBC show. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Our BBC shows, if if there's some, like, I haven't seen that many English talk shows, especially of the era, like when yeah. someone comes on, you're the second guest, and they're the first guest, so they just sit there politely and just, you know, whatever, and he wasn't used to that. You think he would have known, and he was, he was, he was egging her on, and she did what, an appropriate measure, yeah. I think. Okay, so this interview with... Oh, on YouTube. Here's an interview with the obviously refreshed Ollie. He's like, he seems like he's had a few. He's kind of like, yeah, half asleep. Um, Roger, Bound, Roger Bounds, I guess, is the host of this. That's all I'm getting here. I don't know. Um, yeah. Anyway, if people want to see that, Oliver Reed discusses Shelley Winters and equality with spectacular ending. Did you watch to the end of this one, the second no. one? No. Okay. Here, I'm just gonna point the. I'm just going to point my camera here so you can see this at the okay. end. Okay. By that time, nobody will want to employ me anyway, and so that, that'll be a giggle. Well, I reckon that'll be the day, but anyway, the very best of luck, and who knows, maybe we'll see you a resident here in Guernsey. Yes, thank you. again. Very kind. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Reed, thank oh you. Oh, my God. Fully falls out of the chair. And that I can't tell if that was staged because like the chair just breaks too perfectly. I, yeah, that's, and, a lot of the people in the YouTube comments are like, "He's such a troll," and it's like there's an amount of trolling you can do that where it's obvious that you're that you don't really believe the things you're saying, and then there's the trolling you do where you're just contributing to the harm of the like, you know, uh, uh, you know of 
and so I think, I mean, he seems like he's a sexist pig who drinks a lot. Totally. Um, yeah. But he also is the inspiration for an incredible song. So there you go. Yeah. So, I don't, well, could you separate, like, what, what did you, how, I don't know. How do I phrase this? What were your thoughts about the lyrics and how you took it before and then yeah. after you saw this? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love this song. I mean, I love the, um, I just love the melody and the like, I love a song that's just very clearly creating this story. Um, and to me, I thought it felt like, and it may just be where I was listening to it, but I always felt like this song felt like people in line at a grocery store, like taking it way too seriously, like a man, or I guess I don't even think about who the protagonist was, but like, you know, some woman, because because he says, "Yes, your little dog can hold the pi- the pistols, right?" And that's like the most <laughs> yes. clear, like beautiful little <laughs> detail of like this woman with a little dog, like the Paris Hilton get up or whatever, yeah, and she's yeah. like cutting somebody in line at the at the grocery store or having one of those little weird arguments of like you have too many items in this lane or something. <laughs> it just takes, you know, it's it's a few contexts clashing of like this person who's acting like they're very chivalrous, um, being a real, we're taking an argument very seriously, which is, I think, a thing that a lot of people do these days when you start getting an argument online or whatever. It's just like, oh, rem- remember, we're just all humans and you sound like this when you're trying to have a fight with, like, we're just people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I, I love that. Um, I just love the scene that it creates of this person. And then I didn't know that it was so close to reality. Um, yeah. You know, watching these, I think, I don't think I, I, I think I was probably more sympathetic toward the narrator before I knew who, what it was about. But I think also, I mean, obviously it's their own story, right? It's a, it's a yeah. takeoff of this. Um, but yeah. watching that interview, as soon, like he says, madam, a couple of times, you're like, yeah. oh my God, I can't, that's like, that's the title of this song now is madam. Yeah. I challenge you to it. Dude, like it has to be said in his yep. voice. I'm a man of honor. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, it's, it's yeah, and now you're like, so oh yeah, good. are you? <laughs> are you a man of honor? It's so funny. I, I, I love it, and I love, you know, it's got one of my favorite They Might Be Giants things. Well, th- there are two of them. One is when they just take a phrase that we say all the time and then put it to music in such a natural way that it's like, it's that I love. But this also, this takes the like, clear like these words that you would never put in a song and they put it in a song and that's the thing that they do that they like they're like litany of slurs how many songs have the phrase litany of slurs in them flansburg especially i feel like modern modern flans there have been so many great moments where especially like through this podcast and like really Delving into songs that, you know, there's songs on like Flood and Apollo and everything that I've, that I've lived with and like I know them word for word. Mm-hmm. But then a song, like even Glean is still a pretty modern album in the span of a 40 year band, right? Yeah. Um, and really like delving into the lyrics and thinking about them. Because um, I'm not thinking about my interpretation like the first time I hear They Might Be Giant song. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, this, this, you know, this. Like it's such yeah. a cool little Broadway kind of melody, you know? Yeah. It's it's perfectly like the words fit this perfect rhythm and this little melodic motive, um, but like I come across all this stuff like like ampersand uh, off of um, my murdered remains and um, 
mm, yeah, there's yeah, there's a ton of them, and I like fun where you're like, he's just trying to come up. He's like, what word have I not attempted to rhyme with something before? <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> or what's something Absolutely. that people might have to look up? Or um, uh, what was the one about that? I had to, I was researching kinds of prisons. There was um, <laughs> the, the, oh man, he mentions this um, pentac pentac. Cron or uh, something about these yeah. like circular prisons where there's fewer guards because they can look all the way around. I'm like, what is this word? Like, I had no idea because I'm like, this is a noun. I have no idea what this thing is. Like, from context, I don't know what is going on. Yeah. So you're saying it's like this. I, I'm gonna have. To, I'm sorry, I can't think of what song this is off the right off the top of my dome. But yeah, right? uh, like, when you're having to Google stuff, you know they, you know. They my vaginas have taught people a lot of things through kids songs and non kids songs. Yeah, mammal, James K. Polk, etc. Uh, con- contra but, um, is is mine oh, for that. Of like, there's so many. Good. It's just like you're just playing with words at this point. But good for you. Yeah, well, that one like I did that episode not too long ago, mm-hmm. and uh, that one was basically a challenge uh, to Linnell. Uh, let me just. I can bring this one up pretty quickly since I'm going to say it wrong. Um, okay. Linnell was challenged by the radio show The Next Big Thing to create a song using the almost forgotten words Contra Coup, Craniosophic, and Limerent. There you go. Uh, so it was it was a uh, challenge they, to him, and he did it. It's a great they, song. They are in a challenge as well. I, I talked to Jonathan Colton, whose album uh, was produced by Flansburg. Um, which album was that? Oh, uh, Heart, Artificial Heart. And he said that a lot of the songs on there are are Flansburg showing up and be like, write a song for a mandolin. Write a song in French, a language you do not know. Why, what would be the song you would write if you had to do a duet with Suzanne Vega? Like, that's how he was like, These are, this is how his Sounds songwriting fun. mind works of like, what is a weird constraint? And I think that's just a fascinating way to approach. I mean, as you know, obviously they've written hundreds of songs at this point. So like, what is it going to look like? And it's um, it's it's kind of incredible to think about how they write yeah. songs as a songwriter. I I right for sure. Like God, I'm like, I like my the band with with Cara Outdoor Valor. We're like we we're gonna we're going on like twelve years as a band, and I'm like. What did they might be giants do in twelve years? A lot more than we did. I'm like, damn, like we're you know, we got what, three full lengths and a couple of EPs? I'm like, God, did we we haven't done shit. Um Yeah. But like we I were, always take the the Nanobot song to we're running out of nouns is like, yeah. like we gotta think of some shit to quit. That's fair. <laughs> you know, we we were always releasing albums every year because that's what, you know, my favorite band does. And then people would be like, God, you release so many albums and it's like what else am I going to do? Like, if you're not writing, like, are you even a, in a band? But yeah. I understand that that's, um, you know, hard. <laughs> if you got massive tours, like some, some yeah. bands seem like they can write on tour and others don't. Yeah. I guess it depends how comfortably you're touring, you know, if someone's driving you and you're not yeah. driving yourself. Yeah. Um, what, what's, what's, uh, what's Aubrey's favorite band? I don't know. Random good, question. Good question. Not they might be giants. Are they up there though, or like does is yeah? Like, she and I ah. both both like they might be giants. Okay, yeah. yeah, cool. Um, yeah, sorry, that was random. Uh, so the um, how how about musically? What are your favorite musical things? Like subtract these lyrics and this whole story musically. Mm-hmm. We've talked about the melody a little bit. Uh, what else do you, do you love about this song? I mean, I'm I'm a big melody guy. I'm a guy. I'm like real excited when stuff hits 
together, you know, and and they have this incredible like conversational style um, to their um, their lyrics, which is always always my favorite. Let me see, what is my favorite musical thing about this song? I just realized there's there's no Miller on this song because there's no guitar at all. Mm. No Dan Miller. It's not Miller time, folks. Not now. Not it's right not. Now. Yeah, it's very piano heavy, and it's got it's mm-hmm. got that bump 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 thing, which is. And that's why I would love to hear like a demo of this. Did Flans yeah. write it playing keyboards, or did he write it on guitar and they decided it sounded better on piano? Subtract mm-hmm. the guitar. Or did yeah. they write it together? I mean, that's kind of a rare thing that they don't really seem to sit down together and write songs. There's been a couple instances where they've jammed yeah. out stuff. Um, like Min Car, I believe, was jammed out, the, the song. Um, but yeah, it's interesting to have you know the guitar guy mm-hmm. writing a guitarless song. It I, is I'm interesting. Sure probably had guitar at some point and it's tabbed out under guitar tab so i mean you could play that on piano sure, uh sure. So it's in e a good guitar key absolutely it's a fine piano key too i mean Linnell will, will write stuff he's like dr worms and f sharp major fuck you yep. <laughs> it's black keys for me i'm good <laughs> yeah the, they might be giants songs are are a tricky as you know tricky cover like they are not they are not the easy ones they are constantly trying to impress themselves yeah it just like yeah just amuse you know it's just you have to entertain yourself too you know and they definitely do you can tell on stage you can tell on the albums yeah. they're doing it for us but they're also really just doing it for them because they're just yeah. that's all they know how to do is just write songs and play them for people and that's yeah. we're lucky we're lucky to have a favorite band that is just so Prolific. I mean, yeah. the first song by song podcast I ever heard was called Blink 155 because they have 155 songs. There you go. That podcast is done. Like they completed it. They're done. Sure. I don't know if I'm going to be able to complete this. I'll probably get, you know, before <laughs> know, 910 they keep, they keep songs. Releasing more the- songs. It's, uh, you kind of had to start in 1985 or something to really keep up with them. Yeah. I would have had to, you know, keep pace with them as they went. You know, like yeah. I gotta review all this album before the next one comes out. Um, yeah, but it's it's a cool chord progression. I mean, it's the kind of thing that does make sense under your hand as as a piano player. Um, yeah, it's crazy that so it's in the key of. Is it really in the key of E? I think I think it is. It definitely lands in the key of E, but it starts with like this weird F sharp minor, E in yeah, the bass and G sharp minor structure. F sharp. So weird kind of crunchy start. Um, yeah, it almost starts with a bridge. The I'm a man of honor, like the way it feels, it feels kind of like it's floating up. You know, you got you got like the four and the five chord instead of mm-hmm. pounding the one. Like you're not hitting that E until, you know, I don't know, you're like 10 seconds into the song or whatever. It feels like a trick. little bit like a Shakespearean prologue. <laughs> mm. <laughs> you had to get all fancy about it, didn't you? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> get all fancy like the, the narrator of the song. Who's clearly in the right. And women like to be shoeless in the kitchen. Because who who likes wearing constraining shoes? Clearly you want to be shoeless. And, you know, the kitchen, there's yummy food in there. It's pretty amazing stuff. Like, splash, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Because my dad was there. We were, like, eating lunch. I was just like, I'm like, I gotta gotta watch this thing. He's like, oh, man. He was really, he was laughing. Uh, Yeah. Um, so, uh, let's see. Oh, what do you think of the music video? 
it's cool. Yeah, it's rotoscoped, which is great. My I, I, my dad worked on a rotoscope music video many what? years ago, so I'm very familiar with the concept. I like it. It's very sketchy, kind of. Um, Wait, what music video did your dad do that had not not a They Might Be Giants video? But uh, no, I know. I want to see it. What's, uh, uh, he was. I don't know if it's on internet. He worked on a project called Zoetrope. It won a regional mm. Emmy award. It was like a PBS thing. Um, and he wrote the music for it, but it, it was, it, it was like, you know, it was a little bit like this. I, I, I like the style, mm-hmm. you know, they've made so many music videos that, <laughs> that there's, there's nothing they haven't done, which is kind <laughs> of fun for them to have to try to make new stuff. Yeah. Um, it's cool. Cause I've talked to, um, David Coles, David Coles, who's done a bunch of their music videos, especially the kids stuff. Um, he did that new fingertips T-shirt. That's amazing. It's like doesn't even say they might be giants of fingertips. Just has a picture for each one of the fingertips. Oh, that's cool. Um, and Victor Fitzsimmons, who did, um, he's done a couple of theirs, but he does like very, very meticulous line drawings, like these big kaleidoscopic images and stuff. And he got high. I think he got like third place in one of the video contest or something and mm-hmm. so it got on their youtube channel and then flans asked them to do uh the song it said something off of foam power and and victor's like okay how long do i have flans is like two weeks and he's like uh because like, i'm friends with him on facebook and you'll see he's like these like time lapses of this crazy stuff that he does and so them trying to come up with this content it's like yeah two weeks i'm gonna make a music for the jobs i'll make it happen uh, fun fact, the first thing that Aubrey and I ever did together creatively was we made a music video. Well, I guess as as video-wise, we made a music video for Working Undercover for the Man. Uh, yeah. In high school, in multimedia class, all of my projects were They Might Be Giants music videos. So I've probably made five or six just like fake TMBG videos, including Working That's Undercover amazing. for the Man. Do you need rotoscoping? I, <laughs> I did not do rotoscoping. You know, we didn't really explain it to people yeah. can you can you give a, a, a quick explanation of it because sure. really i, mean, I only ro- know what i've read yeah rotoscoping is you take a, a real life video and then you trace over it basically um to make it into animation um the one for this video is it's a little it's quite um it's quite sketchy there's like a keanu reeves movie that used as rotoscoping it kind of creates this like mm. uncanny valley effect of like you don't want your animation to be too realistic. Like a lot of things we do with animation make people a little cartoony on purpose because drawings of people that are too realistic that are moving start to feel a little bit weird. You get the Polar uh, Express. Yeah, exactly. Um, but this is, Yikes. yeah, it's not 3D. It's just like ma- taking the 3D, making it flat, which also makes it a little weird. Um, and then this video is, it's a lot of men and women fighting and, and uh, it seems to be about gender and fencing and it's cool. It's like there's some like badminton or something in there too, mm-hmm. and there's some some dancing, a whole bunch of yeah, and then there is pistols out of a case. Mm-hmm. It is very fun and colorful, and some of the ways some of the ways uh, it ends up looking almost reminds me of um, the Madline books. The way the illustrations sure. look in Madline, yeah, they got big floppy hats and little little bitty eyes. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and just to kind of. Like, it kind of looks like it's hastily done, but it's got mm-hmm. some details and it's cute. Um, yeah, cool. Okay, so uh, for the live section of this uh, episode, there's an in-studio live performance that they did for Esquire. That's really you know, good. I it is it. really good. I'll tell you, Esquire, it's, it's a funny 
thing. I don't know. It's like cause it's, these men. It's for this song in particular for it to be on Esquire. Esquire dot com. Like it, it feels like sense, a very man. intentional choice to do a song about a sexist guy on Does Esquire. It? <laughs> Next, we're hitting up GQ. By your litany of slurs Such a lot of words Oh dear Madam, I challenge you to a duel My second want you to be careful That bell can't be unrung Madam, you mistake me for a pumpkin it's clear you're yelling something That bell can't be unrung You are an unfit rival By spirits taught to sing Yeah, you liked it? I did, it was cool. I mean, it was certainly better than the in-store video, um, which was very much like a, we just are releasing this album, we haven't played this song out that much, kind of the really bad mix. Um, the Esquire one was cool, yeah. I mean, I like I like seeing them. I like seeing Flans try to entertain himself while not being able to move and not having an instrument. <laughs> um, Staying there in his jacket. Yeah. But the, the harmonies come through, it's pretty fun. It's a, it's a nice, nice take. And the Rhodes, is that a Rhodes that he's playing? Some sort of electric piano Linnell's playing. Mm. Sounds fantastic. Really Danny does sound nice. grooving on the bass. No Miller. Miller's like sitting, he's probably behind the glass, like a tear, single tear. Oh my shit. God. <laughs> I remember the first time I met Dan Miller was, I think I guess it would have been the Spine Tour or something, where they were recording every show. Yeah. Um, and he was in charge of that and he was he was releasing them and I went up and talked to him like I've been listening to these and they're so good and he was like that's nice and then I got I got the vi- the the one from the show that I saw and I listened to it all the time because they were yeah. doing um they would do like improvised thank you song at the end of the show and they shouted out one of my friends Nice. Like, they did like a little thank you for coming to the show song and it was like dude with a tie made out of duct tape <laughs> Thank you for coming to the- It's like, that's my friend Dan. Awesome. Uh, Duct tape tie. Dan Miller, super nice guy. Berkeley Cat, um, yeah, as my so father good. would say. So good. And Danny yeah. I've also met and is also just a sweet, sweet, sweet man. Yeah, I, I would love to get him on the show too to talk about mm. it. Well, I already did the Infinity episode. He hasn't done as many... Yeah, I think Infinity actually, I think it's the only song that he wrote that has been on a They Might Be Giants album mm. but he contributes so much but he does seem kind of like not really the podcasting type and that's fine yeah definitely. um yeah uh now this other link that i sent you live um on the eric writer youtube channel uh portland may 8th uh 2015 where uh flans requests like this was a thing when it first came out that everyone hold their cell phones up like their mm-hmm. their cell phone flashlights and the audio on this isn't great but it was uh, the best example i could find of people uh, doing this and it does look pretty cool especially because this venue you've got the balcony all around them mm-hmm. looks pretty cool right looks fun yeah where is this portland is this portland oregon i'm trying I, to think because i used to live there I, yeah this is the crystal 
ballroom, I think. It's either the Crystal or the Wonder. Because I'm like, I, I, I probably was there if they were playing in Portland when I lived in Portland. Okay, let's see. Uh, it's been played 27 times and in Portland, Portland, Portland. Let's see. Oh, yeah, you have the data. Portland, Roseland Theater? Roseland, yep. Yeah, okay, that there makes sense. Go. Yeah, because yeah. it's got a big floor. That's cool. Yeah, looks fun. Never been a part of that one. They they really only played it. They really only played it in 2015, and then they played it once in 2016. That's hmm. that's it. Um, they should bring it back. But they have so many songs. I say this on like every episode, yeah. or every other episode. Like, why don't they play that live? Oh, they'd have like five hour sets. Why don't they yeah. have five hour sets? <laughs> uh, uh, now onto the covers section. You ready? Yes, please. Okay, so. There was a compilation uh, called Glean for Australia that Michael um, Valencic uh, put together. I probably said his name wrong. He was just on the show like two months ago. Michael, I'm sorry. Um, they put together, and this was to raise money for uh, when Australia was having all those horrible uh, wildfires uh, and such. So this was a compilation album. Uh, I'm on, I think, a couple of these. Um, but here we have one by uh, Kai Pfeiffer, who is a part of the covers crew, a very talented fella yeah. um, who uh, lives around Portland, and Vernon Harmon. So let's listen to uh, this one. like this take it feels like they're they're taking it back to being a little more literal but also i don't mind that it's fun it's fun and it's a good it's a i think oh dear is a really funny thing to sing especially in this way yeah Um, yeah they really ham it up there the production is so good kai is an amazing uh home recording producer and me and him have collaborated a lot, mm. and um, he's just fantastic. Fantastic saxophone, especially. I always try to get him, when I collaborate with him, I'm like, several layers of saxophone, please. Okay, thank <laughs> you. Please and thank you. Um, now, Eric Roberts, probably the newest, I think the newest member of the Covers crew, who I couldn't find out who he was for a while. Puerco Music is his YouTube channel. He's on, like, every episode now because he has recorded over a thousand covers in two years on his YouTube channel. You know, just video covers, but he's doing a multi-track studio one for uh, my upcoming comp, which is for uh, Sandy Hook Promise. Um, And he is a really cool, interesting guy who's just not like super online. So like he was kind of hard to find, you know, he wasn't just like mixing it up in the Facebook groups and stuff like that. So let's listen to um, Eric's uh, cover of Madame. I am a man of honor, and I am mortified. 
by your litany of slurs Such a lot of words challenge you to a duel My second warned you to be careful That bell can't be unrung Madam, you mistake me for a bumpkin It's clear you're yelling something Oh, please don't burst a lung Rival by spirits taught to sing. So, what did you, you think about his? You know, and I love his Ninja Turtles. I always mention his Ninja Turtle. Uh, like over I the love window. his sunglasses. <laughs> I love his his. It's a good. I mean, as you said before, it's a song without guitar. It's fun to hear it. Just uh, a guy on a guitar. Yeah, take. right. He's a good guitarist too. He always does some interesting stuff. Like doesn't just keep it to like okay, these are the chords that someone charted out on Team yeah. W. And this one, maybe he doesn't allow, there's just not as much room for him to walk around and stuff, but he'll do like yeah. little, you know, like little tiny leads within the chords and little walk downs and stuff. He's a good guitarist and a lot of energy. Uh, Ethan Rosa. Um, this is again back to the Gleam for Australia. So he, let's listen to this one. And it's, it's listed as Dial a Song Demo, which we know doesn't exist, but this is Ethan Rosa doing the Dial a Song Demo. This could have been what it sounded like. It sounds a little bit Edison-y, I think. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's like the Edison dial-a-song demo of Madam, I Challenge You to a Duel, which is, yeah, fine. Whatever. Why not? Yeah. I mean, it, this is like uh, taken back to like the Flames dial-a-song of like, if you haven't heard the original, the two original Eye Palindrome Eyes, I highly recommend you go check those out on the mm-hmm. Power of Dial-a-Songs because Flames attempted twice to write a song called Eye Palindrome Eye before he passed it off to Linnell. <laughs> There's three versions of the song. They're all completely That's different. I would I would highly recommend those when you get That's them great. in. Um, okay, yeah, I, I like that one. Just bung, 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 bung. Uh, so now, Ratmost. I saved this one because Ratmost has a, a cool little story to it that I haven't told yeah. on, on the podcast for a while. Ratmost, and I got to find out who this is, eight years ago. So when Glean was new uh, on SoundCloud... They noticed that Team G were releasing lyrics uh, to the songs a day before that they put their "quote unquote" dial a song up on Wednesdays. They put the actual song up. So what he was doing, actually, they I don't even know. Yeah, I don't know who this person is. When they didn't, they had the lyrics, but before hearing the music, they would just try to come up with a song yeah. using those lyrics. That's a, they might be Giant C kind of song. Um, it's a cool, 
It's a cool idea. It's a uh, very cool idea. Uh, let's 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 check it out. So it's not so much a cover; it's a lyrical cover, I suppose. Let's mm-hmm. let's let's listen to Ratmos on SoundCloud. They do, I think, the whole album, and it's uh, it's wild. It's because it's just like it's one thing to take a song and like do an inventive cover of it. It's another mm-hmm. thing to like imagine what you know what would Flans or Linnell do with these words. It's it's yeah. a cool little experiment. Certainly. What'd you think of it? I it, it I I like it. I like the way he's they they say madam really weird, which is funny to me and also <laughs> it has a bit of a like a a mountain goatsiness to the guitar. Yeah. It's a very different song. Um my second favorite band. But it's uh I I mean I think what a fun idea for a project, right? Really. Yeah. Yeah. Another not so guitar friendly key. Got a lot of B flats yeah. in there. A lot of B flats and G minors. Mm-hmm. Um you know, so you know, good on ya. It's it's very like they're not phoning it in. It's like this no. is it's they're going for it, you know, like yeah. it's oh okay, there's a little thing here. Okay. Um my first idea for this track was to make it sound like a march. So in the verses I strum the guitar sort of like a snare drum. Okay. Uh the chorus sure. is my favorite part of my version, although I couldn't help but think they sounded familiar. Indeed, a couple days later I realized the chords and melody were almost the same to a song one of my friends wrote a while back. Oh well. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, okay, and I also like how Flansburg and I pronounce the word madam with different emphasis. Yeah. Um fun. Yeah, because yeah. he does like a madame right. kind of situation. Yeah, it's it's as if Ratmos knew the Oliver Reed story before anyone else yes. did. Ratmos, who are you? Reveal the yourself. Conspiracy goes all the way to the top. All the way, all the puzzle pieces are falling into place. Uh, okay, it is scoring time. Oh wow! Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yep. This it's the moment of truth here. Uh, so this song has a this has, <laughs> this is like right in the middle on Wiki on the TMB Wiki. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, but I. I like it. I think it's probably on on my 
in my favorite zone. What are you? What are you thinking? Yeah, well, you got to score first. I mean, I'll say some things, okay. but you got that's the them's the rules. <laughs> uh, um, it's, it's definitely one that like it's one of my favorites on Glean. I mean, is yeah. it my favorite flame? I think song? it's on my TMBG po- uh, playlist. There you go. That I send to people who are like, oh, the Particle Man people, and I'm like, no, listen to this one. <laughs> they didn't even write Istanbul. <laughs> you have to get. Don't stop it with the. Oh my god! I I literally the other night I was out at karaoke. There's this guy there that he and I look very similar, and I was like, I'm gonna go talk to him and like be friends. And he because he was wearing a They Might Be Giants shirt, there you go. and I was like, Oh, They Might Be Giants. And he's like, Yeah, I just saw him the other day. I mean, I love that. You know, I I'm a big fan of Birdhouse and Your Soul. And I'm like, oh, Okay, so you're not really. A they Might be Giants. <laughs> I was like, Good news, everybody. Corey is not as cool as you're me. a Flood fan. That's different. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love that they're cashing uh, in on this Flood tour, though. But like, we missed an Apollo tour. We missed a Mink Car tour. There's all these yeah. anniversaries just constantly. When you're banned this long, it's like you got. 10th anniversaries, yeah. 20th, 30th. It's going to be 40th anniversaries of things pretty soon. It's pretty nuts. Bonkers. Pretty nuts. I am going to give this song an 8.13. Okay. That's exactly what it is on TMBW, and I agree. Okay. 8.13. I like that. Going deep with the decimals. I, I, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, ooh, okay. So I never think of my score ahead of time. I always like to talk to my guest and uh, you know let the conversation and the figuring out of what's cool about the song influence my score. And I would say that on Glean... Let me just bring up the Glean track list real quick. Cause um, I love I I like Glean a lot. It's, it gets a lot of shit in uh, I mean like shit posty kind of like you know we love you but you're not my favorite album kind of shit and like they might be shit posting. Cool. Yeah, no, I think it, I I don't have any problem with Glean. I like I like uh, Music Jail. I love Ah. It's the first song. I feel like they did this on purpose. It's the first song that plays when my car starts because it's three A's in a row. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh. yeah. Music Jail is. One of my favorite Flan songs ever. When I did that episode, mm-hmm. I gave it an 8.5. And an 8.5 for me is really high. Like, I've only given seven tens. And this is going to be episode... This episode here is going to be like 235, something like that. So Amazing. I'm very stingy with nines and tens. So 8.5, real high. It's amazing. Oh, Glean also has... All the Lazy Boyfriends, which is probably my favorite. Another song. great Flan song. I think probably I my favorite that. song is one that most people wouldn't say. Answer. Answer is one of my fa- is my favorite song on oh, the album. Which one? Which one is Answer? Answer. Recognize. Yeah, it it's um, it. year after year. Though every oh, dream of that. a pony. I love that song. Tears. This this song feels like this whole album seems to be a concept album about women settling for men. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's it's like, and I really <laughs> I I appreciate that they might be giants are like no stop settling like they're 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 very much like men are terrible try harder. I did a, um, a dream pop dancey kind of maybe Stone Roses meets uh, you know Cocktail Twins kind of version of answer. That I'm pretty proud of. I'm going to email that to you. It's uh, it's oh, it came out great. Um, I like when I approach Team BG covers now. It's pretty much like okay, if I was this band doing like the Latin song I did, like I did uh, Tecum Umbelari Nolo, I did it in the in the style of the Ramones because the song mm-hmm. means you know um, I don't want to walk around with you, uh, which is mm-hmm. he's essentially referencing the Ramones. So I did it in the Ramones style. So now I'm like, have I done a techno song? Have I done you know? An Alkaline Trio version of a, <laughs> a giant song. That kind of thing. Um, 
so, but it, it's, I'm just stalling as far as what the, the the score would be. It's so it's maybe my second. I oh know I love all the just think about flame songs on Glean. I love Lazy Boyfriends too, but it is up there, man. And op- let me tell you about my operation. I think I think I'm gonna go with a solid seven point. Right. Five on this one. So um, he inserts it into the document. Mm-hmm. It's in this giant spreadsheet at row thirteen oh one. There you go. Look. It's far down there. I mean, granted, the songs on my spreadsheet, my song claiming spreadsheet, uh, up to the pamphlet EP, eight hundred and eighty-eight rows on there. So. Uh, Laser, thank you so much for being on. That was super fun. We've we talked a lot about what um you're you've been doing. Is there anything else you want to plug before we uh we head out? Oh uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, I mean, check out my podcast, Trumpets and Flagons. It's very fun. Uh, if you like thirsty sword lesbians, I uh, <laughs> I am on tour. I'm I'm all over the place. So I'm in I'm in Hollywood, and then I'm gonna be all over the East Coast and the Midwest. Um, and then I'll be in Edinburgh, Scotland. Um, so go to lasertheboy.com, get some tickets, come see the dates, come listen, listen to my music, listen to the, the, uh, double click stuff. Um, we, we have a lot of fun out here and I'd love to hear from Scotland. I, I'm always telling my wife I want to play in Scotland before I die. Cause I just like, like, I mean, Do all it. of I, my base, all of my guitar tones are pretty much based on like UK shoegaze bands from the 80s and mm-hmm. 90s. And then combine that with like Motown. That's essentially what our band does. Uh, if you they can love art that. over there. They love oh, it. Oh, and I know. And like, like the Simpson family, um, my great, great grandpa, Cuthbert Simpson, which I always, Incredible. I always said, if we have a son, we got to name him Cuthbert Simpson because then he'd be Bert Simpson. That's very Seemed good. Too perfect, but didn't you know? Do you know? Do girls. you know the story? We used to listen to a, a a bedtime story about Cuthbert the goat. Do you know this story? I do not, but I'm going to need to find like, this. It was like in one of those compilation books. Uh, I don't know if it existed anywhere My else, but we heard that story hundreds of times. Cuthbert the calculus acting the go- what is this? Okay, that's just something that popped up. I'll have to find this, but. Yeah, Cuth- Cuthbert yes. Simpson. The Simpsons an, an English name, but they were like my dad. My mm. parents went over there, and they like my dad's ancestry stuff was. He was able to find out what church in this town in Scotland they were married in, and blah blah blah. Oh, and I'm just like, I just want to play in like a dive bar over there and see if people like my guitar tones. <laughs> She's like, why would we do that? I'm like, we rent instruments. It would be. Easy. She's like, no. <laughs> We just go to the castles. Yeah, no, I totally want to do it. So, uh, yeah, that sounds awesome. Enjoy uh, your time on the road and, you know, doing doing your thing. You're doing your thing. Absolutely. Every day. Yeah, do it. All right. Thanks again. And uh, you're welcome back anytime. My second warned you to be careful.